Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Engage. The official Star Trek podcast. I am your host, Jordan Hoffman. I'm so happy to be inside your ears for another week. Um, and it's a doozy of a week. There was a big um, article uh, in on in Variety and Variety.com with all sorts of information about Discovery. Data being received. That's how I felt while I was reading this article. Data being received. Uh, it was really cool. If you haven't checked it out, go to Variety.com. No, Google it. Google Variety Discovery uh, uh, interview. And there's a lot of cool stuff um, and even some new pictures, too. We are just getting closer and closer to the new show that I haven't seen yet. I'm just like you, but I'm seeing it soon, and I can't wait. Uh, what else is going on? Summertime. What was last week's show? Brian, what did we have last week? Uh, last week was uh, Mike Johnson and the Star Trek uh, spelling bee. <laughs> I got a note from a longtime listener who said the spelling bee was probably really fun, but that was like awful to listen to. It was like I had to turn it <laughs> off. I said it was extra. It was a bone. You know, it was an extra, what do they call it? A bonus feature. Bo- bonus content. Yeah. Yeah. The inter- last week's show was Mike Johnson. Great interview with with the wonderful Mike Johnson, who has written more Star Trek comics than anybody else. And then as a goof, it doesn't cost you anything. I had this file floating around. Let's listen to this, the spelling bee. Probably, I mean, I didn't listen to it because I was there. Probably was really dumb to listen to. But it's it's out there. It's on the internet now. For those who want it, grade it. There's great. a reason it was the back half of the episode. Yeah, you know, what's what's the Grateful Dead phrase? If you need it, ta- if, 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 you, if you need it, What's from? It's from uh, from Box of Rain. Believe it if you need it. If you don't, just pass it on. Right. So that's the deal. All right. So dig it. This week. Oh man, we got a good week. Holy smokes! This is a packed week. We have two special guests. We have Rain Wilson, who is playing Harry Mudd in the new show Discovery. Uh, has is joining us today. Now this is kind of a special thing because we have not had a guest from Discovery on the show yet. This is the first. So we say red alert. It's the first guest from Discovery. And um, it's a big deal, but why are we jumping the gun? Well, we're jumping the gun a little bit because he has a time-sensitive uh, charity sweepstakes that he's running right now. If you're listening to the show, as soon as it comes out, there's still a few more days in which to take part. So we'll let him talk about it in a little bit. So the way it worked is we had him on uh, Skype just a few moments ago. We talked about his current um, charity, 
And then we recorded an interview with him, which was very upbeat and entertaining. And you're not going to hear it today. You're going to hear it down the line. You're going to hear it weeks from now once, uh, you know, once the show is already on the air. Because there's no point in talking about Discovery now before anybody's seen it. So that's the gig with that. Afterwards, um, we got to talk to a, a Voyager luminary, one of our favorites, Tim Russ, who's got a new web series which is on Funny or Die, which I watched uh, last night. And Brian, I think you would like this program. It's called Mystic... i got to look it up what it's called. Mystic Cosmic Patrol? Yes, Mystic Cosmic Patrol. And I'll tell you, it's ridiculous. It's real stoner comedy. <laughs> it's like Adult Swim times 10. That's, it's, like, it's too much for adult, adult Swim. That's why it's on Funny or Die. And Tim Russ is in it as a giant floating head. And it's pretty great. So uh, I think that, uh, I don't know how the hell they got him to do it, but <laughs> somehow they did. Uh, it's really funny. So we'll talk with Tim Russ. I don't know how that's going to go. That's going to be fun. That's going to be in a little bit. So that's what this week's episode is all about. But other than that, how are things going with you, Brian? Uh, everything's great. Yeah. Everything is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's been a long day. We've been recording a lot of episodes here. You've been here since for hours and hours in this booth. Yes, I have. And I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> Let me tell you something, though. <laughs> If we were not in the booth, and if we were maybe doing stuff like uh, some downloading games or episodes of television shows or music, and we were finding that we had so much material that we need extra space, what would a guy like you or me do? Well, uh, if I needed some extra space, uh, I would I would get a new hard drive. A new hard drive. And guess what, folks? You should, too. Western Digital, WD.com, has hard drives for the whole family. And here at Engage, if you listen to this show, as you know, for many weeks we've been having them as a sponsor, WD.com slash Engage, WD.com slash Engage gets you to a page where you can see a number of solid state drives. And if you get one of the blue or the black ones and use the coupon code WDEngage, would engage, you can get 20% off. 20% off, Brian. That's fantastic. I mean, you don't really get deals like yeah. that in many places. No. In fact, this is the last week. That's, yeah, that's right. This 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 ends soon. This so ends soon. jump on this now. This ends soon. WD Engage. So dig it, man. So we got Tim Russ on the show, and we got a sneak little preview piece with Rain Wilson. He's going to talk about the charity. He's doing a really cool thing, and that's going to tee up an interview that's going to happen weeks from now. Um, all right, dig. So that's what's going on, and we will check out the what did we do with everything we did the commercial we did everything yeah we did everything all right good let's march on this is a special uh bulletin red alert red alert because we have a special guest on uh the line here uh for engage the official star trek podcast we have a special opportunity to speak with um with uh, with with Rain Wilson, his his name is Mud. He's Harry Mud in the uh, the latest iteration of Star Trek. So uh, let's beam him on, and he's materializing right in front of me. Hello, sir. Wow! <laughs> Look at that technology. That's amazing. How did you how did you co-opt all that uh, Star Trek technology we, for your podcast? We are in the future. You know, this is no joke. We are in the future. We so, are always in the future. So, um, you know, this is kind of exciting because we, by and large, we have yet to speak to any member of the Discovery cast on this podcast for the simple reason that 
the show hasn't started yet, and we've wanted to wait until the show starts. But um, you know, but we've had we've had members of every other series on this show, original series, oh. Deep Space Nine, Voyager. You are the first from Discovery. Congratulations! Hey, oh my gosh! Uh, and Making, part- uh, three books—that's fantastic. <laughs> you are, but because it's a beloved character from the original series, Harry Mudd. Um, along with Sarek, are the only two characters that we know about thus far that are going to be uh, from from canon in the new show. Um, but part of the reason that we're doing this now is uh, because time is of the essence. Because you are this week, and this show uh, is going to go out into the space waves uh, on uh, uh, in two days. So the on August uh, September first, right, Brian, is when we air this show. That's correct. All right. And on September 1st, how many days will there still be, uh, Rain Wilson, in the um, the sweepstakes uh, charity auction prize thing that you're currently doing? Uh, I think the number is nine. There will be nine days left after September 1st. All right. So that's buy so that works. a $10 ticket. Yes. So tell tell us what the what it is that we're talking about and why fans should be very excited to hear about this. Well, it's just an, an incredible opportunity for any uh, Star Trek fan. I mean, uh, I'm and I say that because I don't know want to say Trekkie because some people get really offended, and then if you say Trekker, other people get really offended and they say I'm not a Trekker, I'm a Trekkie because I'm an original. So I don't want to get into the whole debate. It's a lot of PC stuff going on <laughs> in the Star Trek universe. It's true and. Uh, I'd rather not even participate. But let me say, for the Star Trek fan, this is an opportunity of a lifetime because um, there's essentially a sweepstakes raffle uh, through a company called Prizeo, P-R-I-Z-E-O, Prizeo.com. And for a $10 ticket, sweepstakes ticket, you get a chance to get flown to L.A., put up in a nice hotel, um, and come to the premiere with me and walk the red carpet, meet the cast of Discovery, the writers, producers, and um, there's even CBS executives you can yell at for their treatment of the show over the decades. Yep, yep. And then, um, and then there's an after party. Oh. So it's, it's really like um, it's every Star Trek fan's uh, dream come true. It's exciting. It's all, yeah. yeah, and they... they the, the best news about it is that it's all to support a charity that I co-founded with my wife called Lide, Haiti, and we educate um, and give scholarships to um, adolescent girls in rural Haiti, way out in the, in the sticks of Haiti, farm girls that have been left out of the educational system. We give them arts education and literacy and um, scholarships and stuff like that so all the money is going to go to haiti awesome yeah no i was reading about your your group and it's something that you've been doing for a while tell me a little bit what you know what sparked that specifically what what it was that inspired i mean it's it seems sort of like out of the blue like i'm going to help rural women in haiti i mean absolutely go do it but what (laughs) why, why that of all things how did that how did that come about well um it's, I, I was involved with a, a nonprofit called the Mona Foundation that supports schools all around the world. I'm still on their on their board, and they're a tremendous uh, charity. And we took a trip down to Haiti, and just fell in love with the country. And then 
two months later was the earthquake and that uh in 2010 and uh the hotel we stayed at was completely devastated. Everyone inside of it was killed. Uh, 200,000 people died in the space of about two minutes. And, I mean, just devastation on a scale that's almost unimaginable. Uh, not to mention the hundreds of thousands wounded, the hundreds of thousands homeless, and already in one of the world's poorest economies with one of the world's poorest infrastructures. So... We knew we had to do something, and right after that, we went and we did a little workshop, on the arts workshop, with these girls staying in the tent camps. And it was a really uh, great time, but it was exciting to see how much the girls really responded to the, um, to the workshops. It, I was a little skeptical, you know. I was like, why, why are we teaching the arts to girls? And they, these girls need jobs and they need shoes and, um, you know, they need roofs on their houses. And why are we doing poetry and photography and, and drama with them? But it really transformed these girls over the space of uh, a week or two. They, they formed a community. They would get together every week after we left. Um, they wanted to study together. They gained confidence. They, they gained their own voice. And we saw the effects that this little thing had. And we're like, well, we have to just continue this work. So along with um, uh, a woman, Dr. Catherine Adams, who's a Ph.D. in education and psychology uh, and is also an artist herself, we founded Lide. And, um, and now we've been going for almost four years. So this is really an example of something where where you were touched by it personally. You'd you'd been there, you saw it, and then you heard about the devastation afterwards, and 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 that's it. And that's what got you to to make this thing happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So where does one go in in the nine days that we have left? Where does someone uh, who's listening to this, you know, as they're doing the dishes or uh, you know in their car? Uh, where does one go to th- to throw their hat in the ring and try to uh, to 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 win this prize? Excellent question. <laughs> you go to prizio.com slash Harry Mud. So keep it really simple. Prizio.com slash Harry Mud, and you get lots of other perks too. So if you donate seventy five dollars, which gets you more tickets, uh, you get an exclusive T shirt that I'm going to design a Harry Mud T shirt, a thank you video. Ooh. You can get a Harry Mud puzzle for $175. For $200, you get a signed and personalized photo of Harry Mud from me, um, a signed book of mine. I could follow you on Twitter. You get a little Star Trek kit for $350. And of course, each one of these perks gives you a lot more entrance tickets, so right, right. sweepstakes ticket. How, um, how, how much for you to block me on Twitter? Um, that's free. <laughs> okay. That's free. Done. Already. Already blocked. Oh, man. Um, well, there's even bad. lunch with lunch in Malibu with me, with me and my wife and uh, all kinds of fun things. But, um, you know, the main thing is, I mean, you get to go to the Star Trek Discovery opening. Yeah. No, how, how many Star Trek openings are there? Uh, uh, there so, hasn't been one like this in ever. The one that's happening yeah. in a few weeks in L.A. I mean... You know, when 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 Enterprise went on the air, it was not a big deal at the Arclight Theater. You know, it was it was uh, this is something special. So, 
Yeah. You know, it's pretty yeah. cool. So listen, again, it's prizeo.com slash Harry Mudd. featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Engage, Engage. the official Star Trek podcast. Energize. And welcome back, everybody. This is very exciting because uh, one of my favorite, one of my favorite Vulcans of all time that we've yet to have on the show uh, will be joining us, uh, dialing in. Uh, let me just get my uh, machinery together, uh, and let's see if we can beam him in. And appearing before my eyes, we have Tim Russ right here on the program. Welcome to Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. Tim Russ, how are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing great. Where are you right now? Are you out there in the West Coast somewhere, California? Uh, in Los Angeles, yes. Los Angeles. That's where actors tend to hang out, is in Los Angeles. So, uh all right, that makes perfect sense. How is, and is the weather clement? It usually is. Yeah, it's pretty hot actually. It's been mm-hmm. hot all week. Oh, all yeah. right. I don't know. I thought normally I was supposed to be just a, a beautiful seventy-two at all times. I that, mean, uh, yeah, but yeah, that's how it was. You know, over the past maybe twenty years or twenty-five years, the, 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 the weather patterns are changing a little bit. It's typically June gloom goes all the way through July. Through July, but right now in August, it does get hot, right. and it'll be. All the way through, see through uh, probably halfway through October, it can be warm. All right. Well, um, I you know I live in New York, so it's a battle zone every day here. It's freezing. It's disgusting. It's raining. It's gross. I have li- I have little sympathy for you. Little. <laughs> <laughs> so you know it's a lot of fun because uh, it's it's great when uh, our Star Trek alumni pop up in new things. You know, as someone who loves all of my all of my star trek friends and family uh it's always great when you see somebody in something new and there is a very amusing uh web series that just showed up on funny or die and i've watched the first two episodes and i think there are two more coming real soon um and uh it's it's something called uh it's got a what is it called again hold on it's got a wacky name um let me open my let me open my thing here because I forget. Um, oh, that's embarrassing. Where is my email? Tim Russ, what is the thing called again? The 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 um this wacky show. Uh, on which? On Funny or Die? Yes, the Funny or Die thing. Oh, Mystic Cosmic Patrol. There you go. Mystic Cosmic <laughs> Patrol. And this is a great this is a great way to it, it's got a vibe of like of uh, it's it's like a weird funny stoner comedy and then out of nowhere your giant head appears floating on a really inexpensive looking science fiction set tell me a little bit about how your floating head ended up on this wacky web series uh well the uh producer uh, gavin night uh actually contacted me and he said um you know, I'm working on this project um and I'd be interested in having you come on board to do uh, one of the characters um, and it's a satire, uh, comedy satire, sort of based on uh, the Power Rangers and some other of those um, types of action, uh, young people's action uh, cartoon or, or series projects for a sci-fi action. And he said, yeah, I'd like you to do one of these characters. And at the time, I, you know, I, I'm approached all the time about a lot of different projects and a lot of different things. And 
I said, yeah, cool, whatever, when you get it done. And then he got it ready to go, and he got money for it, and, and they actually were going to shoot it. And then he called me and said, yeah, come on and, and do this um, this quantum cue, if you will, this quantum <laughs> Alfred for Batman, this quantum Charlie of Charlie's Angels sort of character who's uh, who's basically uh, uh, he, he controls sort of time and space, and he helps these, these superheroes get from point A to point B and and to complete their mission. And it's a very difficult, daunting task for him because they are, they're so inept and, and, uh, and, and useless half the time that he has to, he has to fix everything or, or uh, help them out or get them out of a bind. And, and he's always frustrated with them. So, so this, this floating sort of computer head image is my character of Gargon. And uh, so it's pretty funny. Uh, it's a very cool piece. He's very satirical, he's very sarcastic. Uh, disappointed a lot of the times in, in what they're doing and what they're supposed to be doing and what they're not doing and all that good stuff. Yeah, well, it, it's very funny because um, the, the the range of humor, and I, like I say, I've only seen the first two, and these are very short, so I've seen about, you know, a, a grand total of maybe 20 minutes of, of, of Mystic Cosmic Patrol. Uh, the, the style of humor just really runs the gamut of kind of very postmodern Monty Python stuff to literal toilet humor in that the villain is a giant monster robot toilet, which is yeah, exactly. makes yeah. everybody throw up. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I think it was a, it was a very funny, there's a lot of, you're right. There's a combination of satire, subtle satire. There's a combination of that and sight gags and some broad stuff as well. Um, some silly stuff. Yeah, it's a, it's a mix of things. Uh, and, and I guess, you know, it really helps to be familiar with or have grown up on the Power Rangers type shows in order to appreciate the satire. Absolutely. Now, when so when your giant head appears on the screen, um, there's kind of, I don't want to say lasers shooting out of your eyes, but your eyes are all red. Did they make yeah. you wear contact lenses or is that just done afterwards? Was no, that... that's just that's all post. Thank God for that. Right. Yes, thank God for that, because those things are not that comfortable. Uh, and you also have, like, uh, streaks on your face of some sort, yeah, like kind of like silver streaks. Yeah, that's makeup. And then they went ahead and just give me a green glow, and then they get the red eyes and all that good stuff. And, and you know, they could have, if, if they had more in the budget, they could have just outright animated that face in some way, shape, or form, which would have been even cooler. Um, almost like a Max Headroom kind of thing, but up, obviously updated. Um but uh, but yeah, that's the idea. That is the idea. Now, uh, <laughs> like I said, I've only seen a few of these, uh, and it's just been your head. Can you confirm or deny that in later episodes, the rest of your body will appear, or are you only a disembodied head throughout the series? I cannot confirm any of that, because I have no idea what they're planning. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, uh, you know, it, it, there is... Um, that's very in sync with what I saw because, you know, you gave us a little bit of a backstory into your character. When the show starts, it's very much, it drops you in the middle and lets you kind of figure out who these people are and what they're doing. There's no, you know, the first episode of Voyager, you see the crew getting together, you see them chasing the Maquis and the caretaker takes them out to the Delta Quadrant. There's a lot of wind up to the, to, to the show. With yeah. this, you just dropped in. You're like, who the hell are these nutcases? Why are they running around? And why is Tim Russ's giant head giving them orders? But then eventually, <laughs> eventually it starts to sink in. Uh, so um, I guess that's just the way these things go. I would imagine that there was not a lot of 
um, rehearsal preparation. It was something that was probably done rather quickly because it has that sort of, uh, you know, very uh, it has a lot of energy of let's just wing this and see how funny it can be. Yeah, I, I you know, I think that they uh, for the majority of the stuff that they actually shot. Uh, that, that I was not involved in because my stuff is all shot separately. I, I do all my lines and dialogue by myself, basically on a soundstage, you know, one after the other, because that's all going to be just put in wherever they put it. Um, whereas everybody else, they had to, they had to have the uh, look. Some of the stuff was on location. Some things were in a soundstage. Uh, they had to do a lot of, I mean, there was a lot of production involved in actually shooting all that stuff and getting it right. Plus, they have the physical gags and, and the props and all that kind of stuff that they actually needed. So they spent some time and money and energy, you know, creating this, again, sci-fi action project. Uh, none of that stuff can be done very easily uh, when you're trying to recreate this world that doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, it's amazing the suspension of disbelief because... It's only a couple of sets that don't look like there's that much money into it. The special yeah. effects look like they were somebody did them on a laptop. But yeah. I got to say, when the music is up and everybody was running around, it, it, it's, you know, you kind of buy it as ridiculous as yeah. it is. And it's a it's a mishmash of like, you know, there's the evil queen and she's like, a, you know, sort of like very Flash Gordon. And then there's yep. like a robot and then there's your giant head. And then there's the 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 dudes in the spacesuit who are very dashing, and then there's the, the two women uh, who are both very beautiful, and yeah. it's just <laughs> you know for thing. it's very yeah. funny stuff. It's very funny. I think uh, Gavin and those guys did a very good job on it. Um, to my knowledge, it's it's now going to be premiering on Funny or Die, um, and there's a lot of other stuff coming up on Funny or Die. As a matter of fact, that was the call I was on before I came in on the, for the broadcast. There are some other things in the works, some sci-fi comedy stuff coming up uh, on Funny or Die very soon. That involves so, you, that uh, that you're talking that you're involved in. Yes, that I'm involved in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's Brand, please, if there's anything you can share, that would be dynamite. Well, I can I can only share the fact that they are planning a big live broadcast sometime next week, uh, I believe on Friday, and there may involve it may involve myself and uh, a few other actors doing some comedy sketch stuff live. That's what we're talking about right now. Awesome. Breaking news. Yeah. Oh, wait, red alert. There it yes. is. <laughs> so, um, but what, what's cool is that, um, you know, uh, to Star Trek fans, you're best known for playing Tuvok. And Tuvok is Vulcan, and Vulcans don't like to joke around so much. But I have long argued that there has always been a lot of comedy on Star Trek. I mean, some of it is more obvious, like when, you know, Bones is being silly in the original series or on Voyager, obviously Neelix is, is a lot of times the comic relief or sometimes it's the fish out of water stuff with seven of nine, but Tuvok got some pretty good comedy moments too, in a very kind of dry reaction shot sort of way. Wouldn't you agree? Um, yeah, we, well, that was the whole thing. As long as he was, I mean, obviously, uh, is Robert uh, Robert Picardo from our show used to say, I mean, Tuvok's got a, you got to play uh, Tuvok's playing King Lear with an eyebrow. You know, essentially, essentially everything that he does is very subtle and his reactions are subtle. And if he just if he just looks at you after you've said something that sounds ridiculous and he doesn't say a word, it's just a glare. I mean, there, there's humor in that because everybody knows what the wheels are doing. Everybody knows what he's thinking. Right. He just he just doesn't show it. And so everything is done very, very subtle. And if he's juxtaposed to the to uh, to the humans, 
and their antics and craziness. That is what has always been um, the the setup between uh, Spock and the human the humans he works with. That's always been the gag. Uh, it's always been the commentary on the human condition. To when you put him up, put that mirror in front of him, and it's you know it's someone who's from another planet who doesn't have those kinds of crazy, outrageous, ranging emotions being shown all the time. Did you ever uh, wish that uh, there was an opportunity to to, to say? the obvious joke that Tuvok was thinking or was the, the glare just enough? Well, you know, if he makes a comment, it's going to be again, very subtle. Right, uh, right. If he comments on anything at all. And he does on occasion. It's just that it, <laughs> he's not about jokes. He's not about, you know, uh, you know, when you lose all those, those, uh, when you suppress all of those emotions, I think a few other things get lost in the mix as well. I mean, do they do they find humor in certain situations, circumstances? We never really explored that. Um, I I know that you're um, involved uh, in a lot of other things uh, these days. I mean, in addition to what's going on in Fun Your Die, can you give us a little bit of a of uh, what's been going on the last? Uh, you know, what is what has Tim Russ been up to this summer? What what can fans know about? Well. Um, I've done uh, just a number of acting roles recently. Uh, I'll be appearing on Criminal Minds. I'll be appearing on a series called The Good Doctor, which is brand new, coming out in October. Um, I just finished a Hallmark movie project that just aired last week. And uh, working on uh, uh, at least two to three feature film projects from a development standpoint, which I would be involved in directing. Um, and as well as coming out in a feature film called Fifth Passenger, uh, which is a sci-fi uh, thriller um, that's going to be released, I believe, by the end of the year. Oh, wow. And, uh, and Scott Baker is the uh, director of that project. Um, very cool story. Um, I just got a hold of a couple clips here. The trailer's been released. Uh, again, it's called Fifth Passenger. It's a really very cool movie. And um, and the character that I'm playing in there is uh, pretty, you know, pretty hard-edged and not all that pleasant. But uh, but at the end of the day, it's a it's a cool piece with a very good twist. And and uh, so that should be out uh, hopefully by the end of the year. So it's right now, um, you know, given the fact that I'm not working full time on one particular show, um, I'm involved in a great number of uh, projects uh, in front of and behind the camera as well. Well, I, well so, I know I know you've been directing for a long time. And uh, you, you correct me if I'm wrong. The, you did start directing while you were on Voyager, correct? That's correct. Yes. Was uh, that the first, the first uh, tele? You directed theater beforehand, and then was that your first? No, TV? No, no, no. Primarily, uh, the first time I had a chance to direct uh, for something of that scope, it was uh, it was on that show. I had not directed uh, theater really for years and years before that. So it was mostly the directing was mostly done through camera, and that was on that show. And from there. You know, doing a number of feature projects and presentations and a bunch of other things, and else, and as well, uh, voiceover work. I've you know done a lot of VO for video games, uh, you know, Fallout 4 and a, and a whole bunch of other projects. Uh, still doing some even as we speak this week. I've got to work on one on Friday. So uh, you know, it's you know all these. What's happened is is that you know this this half of my career, which is post Voyager. I've just been involved in so many areas of the business uh, more than what I was doing prior to Voyager. Prior to Voyager, all I was doing was acting 100% of the time. Yeah. And now, since that time, I'm working every on everything from co-producing to directing to some writing 
uh, acting and voiceover as well. All of it. You know, it's funny that Voyager really did launch a lot of uh, actors directing careers. You know, not just you. Um, Robert Duncan McNeil and Roxanne Dawson have are Correct. you know major major television directors now. Both of them. Yeah. And uh, you know, and 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 you know, with Next Generation also Jonathan Frakes, and right. um, there are probably I think Le- and Lavar Burton also has been done a lot of directing. It's it's kind of a good gig if you get a Star Trek gig. You know, there there has there is ample precedent that it can be an on ramp to uh, to doing a lot of directing work. Can only thank the producers for that. Um, uh, ten times over, I can thank the producers for giving everybody an opportunity to be able to to exercise that uh, that aspect of this business on their show, on their dime. Yeah, you cannot ask for a better gift uh, than that because you don't always get that opportunity. Yeah, I don't see that happening on the new show yet. At least not season one. They've got all of the. It's kind of a different world, you know, with the, the sort of different the, world. Yeah. And it, they're not shooting here in in in, uh, in L.A. either. They're shooting in Canada. So yeah, yeah, you have you have to go through uh, you know a certain number of regulations and rules and all that to uh, to shoot in uh, the other country. So oh, I see, I see. Um, but I meant also just like the actors sort of evolving into that because the the, the production schedule is is and everything just seems so much vaster. They've already sort of announced who all the directors are for the whole season. Yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. But not going to happen. Yeah, that wouldn't happen two or three years down the line anyway yeah i think i think you're right um now you said you, you do a lot of voiceover work you have over the years done you do a lot of audiobooks and you've done a few star trek audiobooks correct that is correct did you ever do one i don't think so but did you ever do one that involved the character of tuvok um well i th- i think the the character would have had a few lines here and there, but most of the stories were generic. They were I did, I did the Genesis Wave, which was about three or four audiobooks. I think it was three. Um, I did that one, and I think the character was in it. It's just that it's mostly, uh, you know, it's it's doing thirty some odd voices is what right. it's doing. Right, 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 right. And it was pretty complicated stuff. And then the video games, I did Star Trek Online as my character. Right, right, right. That's yeah, you know, I mean. Tuvok lives on. I mean, uh, you know, it's always funny to think here's a character that you live with, that you created, your seven seasons. And, you know, there are novels. You know, Tuvok was on the Titan for a while, and then he was flying here and flying there. Do you like to keep up with what he's doing, or do you feel like he's in the hands of these other writers? And, you know, uh, is, it, is, it, is it too weird to, like, read about the character in a book or a comic book form after the fact? Uh, no, I mean, uh, the, I, I knew that they were going to produce, I mean, even while we were on the show, they produced, uh, the novels, Yeah. they produced the comic book, you know, and all that stuff. And now there's the, the online game, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that's, uh, that is to be expected because it's a franchise, you know, it's not just a one-off show. It's a franchise. And, um, all of the things that go along with that franchise include those different variations and outlets for. For the stories and for the concept. So not the least bit surprised in all of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're also very involved in music. You are a composer and, uh, and and singer, and I saw some of your videos on YouTube, and you're performing regularly, correct? Yes, that is correct. Uh, I've been doing music. I've been playing music for 40 years, so um, I don't have any intention of giving that up just yet. Um, I really enjoy playing live and performing live. There is something about 
doing any kind of live performance in front of an audience that is just exhilarating. And it's also a, a, a tremendous amount of fun to perform with other musicians, you know, um, playing music together because you everybody is, has their own part and their own role in that particular song. And when it all comes together and sounds like one, then it's a it's an incredible feeling. It's really, really a lot of fun. It's, how, it's, it's a tremendous amount of energy in that. How regularly do you do you do a gig? I mean, is it is it once a week, a couple times a month? I mean, is this? Uh, well, it's two to three times a month. I just finished two gigs this past week. Uh, played at the Kibitz Room and at Poor Boo here in L.A. Um, I'll be back in October at Poor Boo. Um, I think at the beginning of October, and I'll be back at the Kibitz Room in another couple of weeks. Uh, here in Los Angeles. I do perform regularly in town two or three times a month. I also sit in with another band as well on occasion. Uh, my band's performance and stuff, I list all those on my uh, on my website, and I also plug them on uh, Facebook as well. Awesome. And you play guitar, correct? Yes, I do. Uh, guitar and lead vocal. So when, when you sit in with another band, you're, you're, you're just helping, you're a side man for the night, and you're there, you know, really, really just for fun, I would imagine. No, we're, I'm basically sharing. Um, we do a round robin as far as doing all the songs, uh, singing the songs. So it's a it's a round robin thing. I'll sing, you <coughs> know, in an evening maybe uh, five to ten songs. You know, I'll tell you, I don't make it out to L.A. that much. But the next time I go, I really hope that I can come catch your hack. That would be great. That would just be a lot of fun. Yeah, sure. yeah, I, sure. I I imagine that it's that it's a fun time. So. Uh, yeah, I- we, we have a blast. It's the latter half of the month. Usually the last, uh, either the fourth or fifth week of the month is usually when we're in. If it's a five-week month, we're usually around the fourth weekend uh, is when I usually perform uh, on a regular basis. And sometimes it'll it'll be on a, on, a, on a Tuesday sometime in the earlier part of the month. Just depends on the gigs. Is it always the later show is the cooler show? Like you do a first set, then you break, and then you come back, and the second uh, set? No. no, we generally do one power set. It's uh-huh. either going to be anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, one of the locations, it's an hour long set. The other location, it's 45 minutes and it's a power set. <laughs> These are the kinds of, uh, gigs that we do here in the city now, as opposed to what, when I used to play, you know, full time and make a living at it, we used to do, you know, play clubs, three or four, you know, sets a night, take a break, come back, take a break, come back. And, you know, it was a lot more pop oriented, more uh, top 40 oriented. And the stuff we're doing now is much more unique and, and individual and um, not so routine. And it's more of a power set, showcase set. That's best. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's probably, there has to have happened that someone who likes your music goes to see you play, brings along a friend or a date or someone, doesn't say, oh, we're going to see this musician I like, doesn't say who it is. Brings him in. Guy comes in completely unaware. About twenty minutes into the set, is like, I, I, I think that's, I think that's the guy from Star Trek. I think that's Tuvok. Has that ever happened? Has somebody just been totally shocked to see you up there on the stage? Um, there have been some people, yes, that have commented on the fact that they were, they could not believe that <laughs> I did <clears throat> that kind of thing as well. And I've played at. Uh, a number of conventions with my band and it's the same thing around about it it's it's pretty much par for the course in in the entertainment business as it is if you know somebody as an actor you only know them as an actor if you know them as a musician you only know them as a musician you don't know that they might have other things that they do uh, and this is commonplace because that's just the way the media is you're portrayed 
in a certain venue or certain area, uh, that's the way people remember you. And they don't think about you in any other context. Uh, when in fact, you know, quite a number of actors are also musicians and very good musicians. Oh, sure. But, you, you know, yeah. it's a, it reminds me of a story. I have a friend uh, who was really, really, really into movies. Uh, he, he was, you know, obsessed. And he even uh, was, was, you know, he went to film school and everything. He didn't know anything about music. And um, one day he's over my apartment and I have a bunch of CDs laying out. You know, this is back in the 90s when we still had CDs, not MP3s. And I had a Chris Christopherson CD on the table. And he's like, oh, this guy sings? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, this, the actor, Chris Christopherson, is also a singer? I'm like, you yeah. kind of have it backwards there. He was a singer first, but okay, sure, whatever you say. Yeah, he was a singer first. Yeah. And then did the acting thing. And, and that generally is more common um, and more accepted than the actor becoming a musician and making a stab at being a musician. As a matter of fact, uh, right off the top of my head, I can't think of any actors who have actually, you know, really come on to the music scene and, and made a big mark in that. Um, many, many, many musicians have worked. Yeah. I can think of, a, I can think of one, I think Jared Leto and his band, uh, but it was never just him. It was his band, you know, 30 seconds to Mars. And, but that, and, yeah. And, and did they have, you know, it wasn't like, you know, uh, Gwen Stefani was an actor and then became a singer. Right. Uh, yeah. Very few. J-Lo, I think, is one of the few that might have. But even J-Lo, I think, started primarily. Didn't she start in music, Jennifer I Lopez? I think it was almost concurrent. I think it was almost yeah. concurrent. But I think she was known first as an actress and then and then as a yeah. musician. But, uh, yeah, it's, you're right. It's mostly the other way of the street. But, yeah, you know, that's... Yeah, so, yeah, it's mostly... It doesn't usually work in one direction. It, it, for some, You know, music is taken and looked at very differently than than um than acting uh, people can step into the acting world you know left right and center it could be a you know it's either a sports figure or it's a uh you know uh an ex-wrestler or or a, you know football player or basket whatever uh, uh or it's a singer uh or it's a dancer whatever they can go into film and television and nobody really pays much attention to it nobody has any issues with it they do have an issue with going from actor to musician. It's an inter that, interesting psychological uh, thing there, you know? Somebody should do yeah. a study on why we as audience members are, are, are hesitant, but... Uh, yes, not, not accepting. It's not that they're not accepting. Not as accepted yeah. as serious musicians if they are actors. Yeah. Uh, and this has been commonplace. It's happened more than once. Um, it works fine in one direction, not so fine in the other. Yeah. Well, if you live in LA and you're listening and you want to catch Tim Russ's next gig, what's the what is your website where you've got all the? It's probably just. It, uh, it's Tim Russ webpage. You just just Google my name. It's the first thing that comes up is my name. Excellent. Uh, is my web. So you can't miss it. Throw Tim Russ's name into Google, and the first uh, return will give you the website, which has the the listings of of the next uh, gig that's happening out there in LA. And you know what's funny? It's something I wanted to ask you. Throw Tim Russ's name into an image search, and you're going to get one of the coolest internet memes. And I had to, I, I got to ask, you know, how you felt when when this first surfaced. There was the Photoshop job of our last president, whom I hold very dear, kind of morphed with your body, called Tuvok Obama. 
How did you feel when you first saw that image flying around the internet? <laughs> well, you know, there's there's not much you can do or say about what goes on the internet. You know, <laughs> it it's like the Wild West, man. It's the frontier, the new cyber world frontier, and it's wide open. So there is nothing really that I'm going to be surprised about seeing on there at this point in the game because I've seen a ton of stuff. So um, I'm not the least bit surprised. If it's funny and it's a good gag, I love it, you know. I'm all about that. So, you know, if somebody does a clever meme or clever gag, I'm hip to that. Yeah. And and, and I have no no problem being associated with the vomit. That's all cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I thought it was a pretty uh, – I figured that it was that. It was a, hey, that's not, that's not a bad thing to be associated with. That's pretty fun. No, not a bad thing. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, you know, I want to thank you very much. We've taken up a lot of your time. Uh, it's really fun that you're doing this comedy gig um, on Funnier Die. You can go to funnierdie.com and check out the uh, Mystic Cosmic Patrol and, uh, you know, keep your ears open for other projects. And I'm sure that for those who uh, are attending various Star Trek conventions, you're you're you'll be around again in the next season and uh, we'll have an opportunity to uh, talk again, perhaps. Yes, indeed. Why Ab not? Absolutely. Well, thanks again, and and we'll we'll uh, look forward to, to more episodes of this uh, of this web series. It'll be fun. It'll be great. Great. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Take care. Okay. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.